Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday... It's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Prestige TV podcast. My name is Bill Simmons. I am here with the mother of dragons, Mallory Rubin. They created this show just for her. It's the American <laughs> Gigolo remake on Showtime. It is our guy, John Bernthal, our beloved guy, playing a playing a former male escort, getting back into the business after spending time in jail is a remake of the Richard Gere movie. Can we talk about the Richard Gere movie first? Have you seen it? Did you watch Please. it to prepare? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that movie is elite. So I was very nervous about this TV show because uh, Paul Schrader, it's Gere's breakout, Richard Gere, his breakout movie that Leads to officer and a gentleman, and then a bizarre nine-year drought, and then he turns it around with pretty women. But there's a feel to that movie. It's a great LA movie. It's got the Call Me, the Blondie song, just one of the most iconic songs from that era. And there's just something sleek and cool about it. So I was nervous that the show wouldn't be able to pull that off. What did you think? Did the show pull that off? The sleekness is a difficult thing specifically. I thought that the opening montage where we moved in and out, not only of time period, but of mood, was specifically intended to assure people on that front. Hey, yeah. here's a little montage of a bunch of sex scenes and a bunch of shots of a convertible driving near water, just in case you were worried about whether we were going to do exactly that. With, with Blondie middle. playing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Here's the musical cues. And because it's this modern day reinterpretation, trying to tap into that 80s energy was also a challenge, but I actually thought they managed to do that while anchoring it in the present timeline. I agree with you. And I actually was way more interested in the present timeline than the flashback stuff. I, uh, the fi I mean, we'll talk about the flashback stuff, but um, 
I was, I could have spent more time with him in prison. I'll be honest. Just Bernthal in prison. I feel like that could have been two episodes to what, how he navigated his surroundings there. Maybe we'll get that in future episodes. You know, we've only, this is just the premiere. We've only seen one and we, we weaved in and out not only across the episode, but in like five minute stretches, you would hit three different time periods. Right. So I wouldn't rule out future prison era flashbacks. I think they're, I think those are inevitable. Probably it's clearly a formative time in his life. Well, we had four time periods because we have his last run at being a gigolo before he goes to jail. We have jail. We have him coming out of jail, but then we also have him as a kid. Yes. Um, even Which, within his childhood, we had multiple time time frames. There's like young Johnny and then mm, teen Johnny. I never got lost. I My only yeah. quibble, I guess, with the jumping around was Bernthal looked, the 15 years, he basically looked exactly the same. I might have gone with like six years, something like that. <laughs> we'll start, let's start with Bernthal. So okay. Richard Gere, one of the most conventionally handsome leading men we've had. My mom's number one favorite of all time. My mom hit on him in a New Canaan... <laughs> A fundraiser once, and it's still like one of the highlights of her life. <laughs> oh my God. Also one of my mom's all-time favorites. Yeah, see, there's something about that dude. And him playing a gigolo, I think, was one of the reasons. Um, he's great in the movie. He's basically Richard Gere, but he's like, there's two Richard Gears. There's the Richard Gere from that movie, and then there's the Richard Gere from Internal Affairs. And those were like his two, basically, personas. So Bernthal, kind of different different, handsome. I actually think he's a handsome guy, but he's a handsome guy. And like, uh, I got in some fights in high school and when I was in the army for two years and I've seen some things like uh, there's a ruggedness to him. So com- compare and contrast Ger- Gear and Bernthal for you. I think you summed it up nicely. Richard Gear is kind of a quintessential Hollywood, handsome leading man. You talk to anybody's mom, they're going to list him right alongside Harrison Ford and Robert oh, Redford. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. My mom would, right? And inside of American Gigolo in particular, you have the kind of unvarnished sexiness of something like the workout scene hanging upside down from his ankles in his apartment. Put that on loop for me on TV and I'm just content forever. <laughs> but you also have the fancy suits, the glitzy car out on the town, knows how to order a cocktail. There's this like real allure. We also should not go through the podcast without remarking upon the fact that we get a solid multi-minute stretch of him standing completely nude, gazing out the window, side dick in full view, talking about how he'll work for three hours to bring a woman to climax. So that's memorable. That's memorable. We haven't quite gotten that from the John Barenthal experience yet. But I think you're right that he has a palpable magnetic energy. He is just such a charismatic performance and there's a rugged quality to him that really lends itself to this particular reinvention of the story, I think. Yeah, that you get the feeling whether he's like this in real life or whether he just pulled off with the character that this particular character in the TV show has a voracious sexual appetite. I thought he pulled that vibe off that this guy li- likes to get it on. He likes to bang the boots. Um, now we, you know, in the flashbacks, they go into some of the damage that might've, uh, might've led to, um, including, uh, you want to talk about it now? Sure. Including the scene where he starts having sex with the neighbor. He seems like he's like, what, 14, 15. And, and it, 
that scene kind of pushes the envelope. For 2022, I was surprised. They basically showed everything but him having sex with a neighbor. And, you know, that sets the tone for him to start getting pimped out. But it's a little Eddie Adams-ish in Boogie Nights, right? Everybody's got that one special talent. Maybe that was his one special talent. I don't know. That was a... That was the big surprise to me of the premiere, just in terms of the way they were going to change the story, right? Introducing this element that Julian is Johnny and has this deeply horrifying and traumatic childhood and backstory where his neighbor was taking advantage of him and abusing him. And his mother was allowing this to happen, knew that this was happening. There's this scene later in the episode where we hear Johnny say that everybody knew what he was doing to pay the rent. And it's this really like horrifying thing. And then his mom, who we had previously seen in the present day timeline, him return to and attempt to to revisit and and reconnect with, we see that she sold him, sold him to the queen when he was a teenage boy, sells him for an envelope full of cash into life as a sex worker. So this was a really horrifying aspect of the story. And it, it made me think of like every time you ask on rewatchables, you know, could this movie have been a, a an eight or 10 episode television show when they sat down and decided to adapt this, figuring out what the character's backstory was and what led to this kind of life had to be one of the first things that they workshopped and identified as like a core distinction for this television show compared to the movie. I'm not positive. I love it. I get it's it. It's it's intense, but, you know, maybe they could have gone with plan B, which was this guy just liked to get it on and ended up uh, getting framed for a murder, basically. So that part's the same. In the movie, he gets framed by his pimp, played by the great Bill Duke. Um, and in this one, it feels like we're heading toward him realizing he got framed by somebody. But there, there is a framing. They've leveled up here, though, by having yeah. him in the bed, covered in blood. Yeah. And he has this real doubt that he because he can't remember. And we learn about a later uh, and later in the episode about a childhood incident where he also like blacked out and genuinely doesn't remember this really traumatic moment. And so that fuels his sense of uncertainty where he actually is like, maybe this is a thing I did and I'm capable of doing. Whereas Richard Gere in the film is like, I can tell you that I wasn't there at this time and did not do this thing. Yeah. So that was an interesting distinction to the extent of the framing and the way that that really works itself into his psyche and his doubt. That also is the kind of like dramatic tension that I think will work over a, a multi-episode television show really well. I love the character wakes up covered in blood with the dead person <laughs> next to them. Works every time. Most famously in Godfather 2 with the <laughs> Senator Gary. Oh my ah! God. Ah! Uh, yeah, Bernthal did a good job of being horrified. I A couple of my notes. Yeah. The name Julian. Yeah. Great name for TV characters, lead singers, and baseball closers. I don't know what else, for what other purposes there are for Julian, but those are my top three. Maybe a supermodel. Wide receiver is not number one on your list? A wide receiver. <laughs> yeah, on. I guess wide receiver. Yeah, <laughs> just a great name. Uh, I wrote down prison Bernthal serving food with some prison Bernthal facial hair. But then we got to see him play basketball. Pretty convincing. Yeah. yeah. 
the the food line scene was amazing. That could have absolutely been an entire episode. Yeah, I hope we go back. Hopefully we'll go back to the prison. And then the other shocker was uh, old Rosie O'Donnell as the... uh, Detective Sunday. Yeah, I didn't even know she still acted. I thought she was pretty good, though. It was awesome to see Rosie. Yeah. I wasn't sold on her apology to him, but... (laughs) There was definitely more I thought I should tell you and less... I would like to sincerely apologize yeah, for my robbing bad. you of these 15 years of your life. Yeah. <laughs> my bad. I, I'm going to sleep poorly tonight. No, we didn't get that at all. Uh, the other big surprise for me was the great Gretchen Mall, who was terrible in Rounders and uh, it was a terrible character. And we've litigated it with Koppelman and Levine and Grantland and The Ringer and we've talked about it forever. And there was a Vanity Fair cover and it, she almost became like the QB that got too much hype in year two. And didn't do that well. And then everybody's like, that QB sucks. And then she kind of patched together a pretty good career. I thought she was great in this pilot episode. Like, first of all, she looks fantastic. She is really aged really nicely as, as just an actress. And there's something classy about her, but a little bit of damage there too that you feel like. But uh, that was the big surprise for me. I just really liked all the scenes she was in. I thought she was great with Bernthal too. She's an all-timer. Anytime you want to revisit her work on Boardwalk Empire, mm-hmm. I'm around. <laughs> Just waiting for the call. <laughs> One of the truly most shocking television characters in the history of pop yeah. culture. I also thought that she was great in this. And yeah, the chemistry that that she and Berenthal had together was like crackling and we have these really intense moments with them across multiple timelines i loved the little meet cute on the beach like you really do buy right away that these two people are just drawn to each other and you that actually is something they had to get right right away because you have to believe that somebody you know we switch from the political realm of the film to tech bro energy right with the husband in the in the adaptation which i thought was a really smart clever update you have to believe that she would follow him that she would follow him into that room in the club scene. And you buy it. The husband just wasn't keeping her feet tingly. <laughs> Leaving the door open for American Gigolo to step in. Oh my I God. thought they were, I really thought they were great together. And one of the reasons I really, the, the original movie is a little flawed, but I do think it's a rewatchable. Like I have considered doing it. And the biggest reason is the, the Richard Gere, Lauren Hutton chemistry. And Lauren Hutton, I just feel like is a demigod. I, I just... One of the all time, <laughs> I would just put her with Zeus and <laughs> pick some Greek gods from all time. Just oh one of God. the best looking person who ever existed. It made yeah, me so mad beautiful. when she when she covered her space. The space was like that pushed her over the top. I I never understood why her movie career wasn't bigger. Her and Maude Adams were the two from the seventies and eighties. I just felt like why weren't they bigger stars? But uh, she's awesome in American Gigolo and. They had the same kind of thing. So I, I feel like if the chemistry with Bernthal and Gretchen Maul doesn't work, the show doesn't work. So Absolutely. at least we have that. We have some good foundations. I I'm, I see a glimmer in your eyes. I don't know if you've, since the affair, that you've had a show <laughs> like this that checks so many of your checklist boxes. Oh, my God. I have felt an emptiness inside since the affair concluded, as you know. <laughs> Every now and then, I... I think, is it time? Is it time to dive into a completely ill-advised five-season rewatch for literally no reason? Yeah. And I can't quite bring myself to do it, but now I don't have to. And that's a gift. That's a gift. And same channel, (laughs) Showtime, 
Same kind of, I, I do feel like they're going for, I, I don't know what the word would be. The cor- I guess the same corner that the affair lived on, which are flawed characters, some, some moments and, and scenes that don't maybe totally make sense in the big picture, but it doesn't really matter. And then really chemistry. Yes. And a mystery. Because there is a there is a mystery. There's a conspiracy that we are are gonna parse the clues and try to figure out how it will unfold. And maybe our first guess will just end up being the right one, and that's okay. That yeah. is okay. The melding and entwining plot lines and tones when you're also trying to juggle so many different timelines. It it was a lot in the first episode, but I agree with what you said that it actually felt like fairly well balanced and accessible because they're not really they're not making you work too hard for any of it and i don't mean that as in in a dismissive way i mean it as a compliment like you're kind of in real time when detective sunday is visiting the hired killer you're okay i'm filing this away what might this mean when michelle pushes johnny slash julian away and says he'll do it again okay we file that away you know the the look on lorenzo's face when Julian asks him to take him to the queen. Okay, we file that away. But we're also just like sinking into the silk sheets for a Mm. multiple minute flashback of just two people lying in bed, rubbing their noses against each other. You know, And it's all kind of working together in harmony. We did mention uh, the show was written and created. And basically the showrunner of it is this guy, David Hollander. Mm Mm-hmm. So he was a Ray Donovan guy and did that, was involved in that show, The Guardian. But um, obviously a guy Showtime felt comfortable. We also didn't mention um, Wayne Brady. Yeah. He's the pimp. Wayne Brady has done a really nice job of kind of flipping the perception of whatever Wayne Brady was. And a couple, like we, he had the Chappelle sketch, obviously that was, that was like a seminal moment for him. But for the most part, it feels like there's a darkness lurking in Wayne Brady. I'm not even sure there is, but he's done a nice job of that. So him playing a pimp was a calculated career move that I liked. He was great in the first episode and he unlocked was. a lot of the secret sauce of what they're trying to trying to maintain this delicate balance where you're thinking about trying to solve the riddle, solve the puzzle of what actually happened, but mostly you're there for the vibes. Like I thought his character and their relationship summed up that balance well because he's kept the car tuned up in the garage ready. He's got this like gorgeous oceanfront home, but also is putting sheets on a couch instead of offering up some sort of guest suites. You're like, okay, what's it? What exactly Hmm. is going on here? And he's happy to to shoo everybody away at the club to welcome Julian in for whatever he needs at an exact moment. But the tension in the car ride over to the queen is so palpable that you can't help but let the suspicion seep in right away. So I thought that their relationship kind of nicely captured the duality of what the show is trying to achieve. All right, predictions. Do yeah. you, do we get a Burnthal side dick scene? Where would you put the odds on? Two to one? If we don't, then I don't know what we're doing here. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> if they're going to pay this many homages to the movie, there yeah, has to be on. the standing naked. I, I asked this because this, I already know, as you know, my mom is just a complete lunatic. She's insane. Like her favorite <laughs> actor is Richard Gere. 
her her the affair was one of her favorite shows ever. She's just yeah, she has great taste. A very strange lady. Um, <laughs> she's gonna absolutely love this show, and I cannot wait. I wonder if we could do for a future prestige. I bet we can pull her on as a co-host. Oh my god! Because she's gonna have a lot of <laughs> thoughts, but. I, it scares me to say this, but I think one of her notes would be, I don't think they went far enough with the sex stuff. Oh, I, I agree. I, th- I think they could have dialed it up. It was like almost the PG-13 version of where they could have gone. Yeah. That will be one of her first three notes to me. And then I'm going to pour hydrochloric acid on my face. Well, I'm going to be on her team and in her camp because she's right. <laughs> she's right. In the present day timeline, we need more sex. We definitely need more sex. Think back to the film. One of the strangest, most surreal, but also most hypnotic sequences in movie history. The I know sex what you're going to say. The unfo- husband. The sex scene. No, not that one. The Michelle, Ju- that one also, but the Michelle Julian scene that unfolds. Basically, it looks like Michelle is standing in front of the pale blue backdrop that they take your oh, yeah, NFL yeah, yeah. combine photo at. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> and we just have like close up camera angles of People standing still and heads slowly moving up bodies. And here's a kneecap. And what limb is this? I can't really tell. And it goes on for minutes. And you're like, should I have been on LSD while I was watching this? Probably. (laughs) We absolutely need more scenes like that in this show. Has to happen. Well, we also need a scene like the husband hiring him to in the movie to have sex with Basically, his seems like half dead wife. She's just kind of lying on the bed and he's there and it's just super weird. And it's one of those scenes I probably shouldn't have seen when I was like 11 years old watching uh, <laughs> WHT at my stepdad's house. With that age when you're, they have no idea you're watching the movie that you shouldn't be watching. And I'm like, what's going on here? Dad, why is Richard Gere petting this woman and saying, I know what you like. I know what you need. I know. <laughs> It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to go do my sixth grade homework now. Uh, My guess is they're going to get dark with some of the sex stuff. But I also, in 2022, in this whole like intimacy coordinator era, I wonder like where the lines are with this stuff, you know? And I'm sure like with House of Dragons, same thing, right? House of the Dragon. House of the House of Dragons. House of the Dragons. Can I call it House of Dragons? That's in the 1100s, right? Yeah, I'm glad that you I'm glad that you paid attention to the fact that it's a prequel. And you know, as you've said many times, the Game of Thrones is set in the 1300s. So yeah, so is it, great work. Is this 1100s or 1200s? <laughs> yeah, two centuries before Game of Thrones. You nailed it. Did you hear my theory on, on House of the Dragon <laughs> that they should have the HBO2 channel should just have all graphics for dumb people like me who don't know what's going on? Almost like the Amazon X-ray Vision, where it's just so it's just character names. Yeah, it's just it's constant. It's just constant Chiron, so I know who's who. I mean, it's not the worst idea I've ever. Why not? Why not? What's running on HBO two? Chris Ryan covers the show professionally and still believes there's only one dragon in the show, even though we've seen three and they're all different colors and they all have different shapes and names and riders. So I'm sure Chris would like this. So on HBO two, dragon number three comes in and it's just Chiron oh as like, this is dragon number yeah. three, Bob, or whatever they name the dragons. Bob. Bob, yeah. Bob the dragon. smoke, but close. Yeah, close. Predictions for the next six episodes of American Jiggle. First of all, do you think we're going to like this show that we end up just recapping it every week, even though it's probably a complete waste of both of our time? A 15 to 20 minute recap every week wouldn't rule it out. Wouldn't rule it out. As soon as we fire up the second episode, I think we'll feel the pull. Predictions. I want to throw. I want to throw one your way. Okay. 
This can't happen soon because we need to let the mystery play out. However, given how many time periods we've been in, and given the affair touchstone at the heart of this experience, a future timeline at some point. Will oh. we flash forward? Will we be sitting on the beach with adult Julian at some point trying to then reverse engineer how he got there? That's pretty good. So episode six takes place in like 2025. No, like 2050. <laughs> Old Julian. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. The way we got old Noah selling lobster bisque in my Well, I mean, that was one of the craziest decisions ever made in a television show. Uh, my prediction is... Yeah. I think Gretchen Maul's husband mm -hmm. will probably die by episode six and either... It'll be one of those, he's abusive and self-defense and she gets murdered and then Berthal has to help her. Or she just decides, I hate this guy, I'm killing him. Oh. Or he okay. dies mysteriously and it seems like it might be Berthal and Gretchen Maul, but actually it's, he's got these weird business interests in like Qatar and somebody else killed him, but it seems like, and it'll just be a mystery of who killed him. I don't think that guy makes it out of season one. You and yeah. I have only watched the first episode, but yeah. that's that's one of my guesses. I like it. We've been introduced to his henchmen because of the situation with their son sleeping with his teacher. So that's the clue. <laughs> when you have henchmen, you're not totally on the level with your business interested. Like one of whom I, is there exclusively. Yeah, exclusive henchmen to make means scary something's faces. up. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's something it. Up. Right. <laughs> yeah, but so. And again, we have no idea. Do you are you assuming based on what Michelle said, the 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 movie's influence on the show, all of the clues that the Richard Stratton character is the one who organized the frame job in the first place perhaps in conjunction with Isabel or Lorenzo or do you think that's just what they want us to think and know we will be thinking and it's actually going to be something else? So I think it's something else, but they're okay. going to set us up to think that's what it is. And then when he dies, there's going to okay. be all these breadcrumbs, but it, almost like a second framing. You know, why not have another frame? I like this. Throw a second one in there. But I, I think that guy will dive into a little bit like Taken 3 with Liam Neeson, <laughs> where the uh, the second husband, Fomke Jan Jansen's second husband ended up being like the bad person in it. I think- that the the unnecessary twenty four seven henchman to me is always a red flag. Okay, here's my prediction on the henchman front. Michelle will ultimately ask Julian to help her find Colin, the runaway son. They yep. will then run into the henchman out on the road, and in order to defend Chase. Michelle in a moment of of conflict, yeah. Julian will actually commit a murder. Interesting. I like. Yeah. It. Yeah. And then, so, and what is the queen's role in all of this? <sighs> so. That was the character, that was the most ambiguous character, I think. Yes. Isabel, who we first meet as a haunting child at the, yeah. at the poolside. And yeah, she's basically the two girls from the shining elevator. <laughs> just but outdoors in a little round chair. <laughs> oh my God. And 
when Julian arrives at the queen's house toward the end of the episode, Olga is... At least they want us to think no longer capable of being the mastermind and, in fact, a prisoner in her own home. We have entered Mm. the Isabel era, but was she... Was she pulling the strings at that point or has she seized an opportunity to move in? Well, I also am not sure how old that person is as a grown up because the little girl in the chair seems like she's six. Yeah, that's a small kid. Eight, maybe. Yeah. And 15 years have passed, so she's supposed to be 22. More more time has passed than that, though, because... The the fifteen years is the prison, so that's from the, oh, right, the right. murder. So maybe it's the, like eighteen years because he was. How much time passed from when he first arrived in California to when he eventually was framed and went to jail? We've got another decade in there. Good point. So she might be like twenty nine, thirty. Yeah. All right. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, American Chiglo. I was really oh, worried God. it was going to be terrible, and it's I feel banger. the opposite. I yeah. can't wait. I feel like the affairs void has been uh, has been filled finally <laughs> after three long agonizing years for Mally Ribbon, and I can't wait to get my uh, my mom's review. Who knows? We might be back for episode two. Thanks to Jonathan Kerman for producing. <laughs> Thanks to Mally Ribbon. Thanks to Showtime for creating uh, such a weird, goofy show. And you, uh, we'll see you around. And don't forget to listen to Mallory on the uh, Ringerverse podcast, breaking down House of the Dragon every Sunday night, right after it goes up. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.